As I say, it's hard to get there, but it's even harder to stay up there. So we have to remain focused. You know, you have to block out the noise. There have been a lot of accolades for this team already. That's not going to win a football game for you. You know, it's about fundamentals, about getting better, staying hungry with a great mindset. These guys are not satisfied. Although we've had some success this year, they're not satisfied. Louisiana State University's Ed Orgeron, Coach O at LSU. God bless his little heart. I love him. How can you not like Ed Orgeron? BFFs with Lane Kiffin. They're like this. They're tight. Keep in mind. Ed Orgeron was the head coach, the HC at Ole Miss, and they were bad. They were terrible. He was run out of town, man, mocked, and he broke his little heart. So he gets hired to go to Southern Cal for Lane Kiffin, coach the defensive line, and then ends up being the interim head coach. He wanted that job. After they fired Lane Kiffin at the airport, he was named interim. He wanted that job. Players wanted him to have the job. When he didn't get it, he was heartbroken. Heartbroken. He takes a couple other stops here and there. I think he might have gone to McNeese State very briefly. Very briefly. And I do believe that's where he played. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then he ended up on the staff at LSU with Les Miles. Les Miles gets kicked to the curb because he can't develop a quarterback. Coach O, with HC experience, even though his time at Ole Miss was, well, it was, a, it was a dumpster fire. He does okay, and he gets named head coach. And I, I'm going to throw this out there, Darren. I'm sitting in the studio with Paul Feinbaum about a year and a half ago. And we're talking, and we're just like, there's no way Ed Orgeron is the head coach of the LSU Tigers at the end of this season. It's not going to happen. And we had the idea... We had the cockamamie idea. We put it together that Lane Kiffin was going to be the next LSU coach and that he was going to take Jalen Hurts with him. Alternate reality. Didn't happen, bruh. Instead, Jalen Hurts went to Oklahoma, and he's, well, endeared himself to a second Power 5 fan base. And Joey Freshwater stayed at Florida Atlantic, but he's going to be in the SEC West next year. Oh, by the way, Darren, guess who's going to Auburn Ole Miss? already got it in the works baby the grove i can't wait i can't wait you're i have joint freshwater t-shirts coming you're yeah you 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 back lane kiffin like no one i've ever met the lane train the, now, the last you time the conductor of the lane train the last time i was here was in october before yesterday it was october yeah was i not begging pleading praying that Lane Kiffin would get a P5 job. I wanted him in the ACC. You also said that about Mike Leach, if I'm not God, mistaken. that would still be so good. I can, I can dream. <laughs> can you imagine right? both of those guys you know, simultaneously in the same conference? Oh, my God. Well, it almost happened. Yeah. Because if, if, if Leach had gotten the Arkansas job, they would have been in the same division. Oh, I was wanting it to happen in the, in the ACC. I was hoping, like, Leach would end up at Florida State and the lane train was going to pull into Blacksburg, even though Fuente ended up having a marvelous second half to the season, so his job's secure. Lane train, eh, Boston wouldn't have been a good fit. Anywhere in the conference. Put him in, I don't care where. Oh, it would have been great. The ACC is so devoid of coaching personalities, dude. Devoid. It's like the PGA Tour. It's just, it's like NASCAR now. They all wear khakis and polo shirts and say the right thing and make sure they, they thank their sponsor.
That's the ACC's coaching. That's who, that's who they are. Who's the most colorful coach in the ACC? Give me one. And Dabo's whining doesn't count. Give me one. Can't do it. Dino. Dino's not colorful. I mean, he's nice and, you know, he's not. Nah, Dino's fun. He's fun, but he's not Lane Kiffin. No. He's not Mike Leach. He's not even Saban, man. Give me, give me one. Give me one that moves the needle for personality. Can't do it. Can't do it. Bronco? No. Heck no. Clawson? It's nope. not that Mac doesn't. It isn't, you know, uh, upbeat, but he's just a little too buttoned up. I like TV Mac. Yeah. I like TV Mac. And they had him in the studio a while back in, in between the end of the season and now. He was great. I forgot how good he was on TV. But name me one. Now the SEC is just drowning in personality because they got Lane Kiffin. But they've also got some other guy. Dan Mullen is pretty interesting, dude. He's, Saban is going to be Saban. I think Malzahn is very thoughtful. He's not, you know, the most fun in the world. Jimbo, you never know what kind of lame excuse he's going to pull out of his nether regions. It's a way more interesting conference. The Big Ten has Coach Khaki Pants, Jim Harbaugh. God bless his heart. They got him. How much longer, though? Yeah, that's, that's a good point right there. That dude's going to end up back in the NFL within two years unless, unless they win the big game. Or the game or whatever. What is it? The big game or the game? Which do they call it? The game, right? I think it's the game. The, the big game Harvard, is what Yale. we're required to call the Super Bowl. I think the big game is Harvard-Yale in college vernacular, though. I don't know. I have to look it up. But either way, he's going to be gone in two years unless he beats Ohio State or wins the Big Ten, which is the same thing. The Pac-12, who is their coaching? Who, who do they have out there that's full? Oh, Herm Edwards. They got Herm. You play to win the game. They got Herm. That's working out fabulously. They got Chip Kelly with the juice bar. He's making his, like, kale shakes or whatever. So they, they've got that. Big 12, eh, Lincoln Riley's pretty dry. Tom Herman, yeah, I don't like him, but he's got a little person out there. Gundy with the mullet. The, the, the Power Five conference with no personalities to ACC. It's vanilla. It's vanilla. It's the McDonald's cheeseburger. It's plain. It's, you know, it's there if you want it. Yeah, but there's there's no personality. Lane Kiffin would have been would have been perfect, perfect. By the way, we we were talking, well, quite a bit throughout this program about Miami. Speaking of ACC, let's dive into it a little deeper. I I, I mentioned to Andrea Adelson that I did not think the U would ever be the U again. The landscape has just changed so much. Wrap your mind around this, Darren. In this decade, the 20 teens, the big three in the state of Florida, Miami, Florida State, Florida Gators, 251 and 134, a 651 winning percentage, the worst since the 70s. Put it into perspective. During the 1980s, those three programs went a combined 303 and 62, and the Gators weren't even that good. That's unbelievable. Let's go deeper into this. Miami's 14-0 loss to Louisiana Tech, the only time in the last 40 years that a Power 5 team was shut out from a non-Power 5 conference team. And we're talking about the old Big 8 and, the, and, and those conferences. Shot out by a non-Power 5 conference team in a bowl game. First time in 40 years. That speaks volumes. And this best sums up 
Miami's offensive woes, Miami's season at large, really, particularly the end of it. Final three losses, Florida International, hometown. They lost 30-24, to 24, the U, 20.5-point favorites going into that game. Lost to Duke, 27-10, to the U, 9-point favorite going into that game. Louisiana Tech, 14-0 yesterday. The Canes were 7-point favorites going in. Don't bet on the U, man, unless they're the underdog, then they might cover. Who would have thought? No conference title since joining in 2004. One division title since joining since 2004. And nothing but just disappointment. And Andrea brought up an interesting point that I'd forgotten about. This is a team that's only two years removed from starting off 10-0 and and being second in the college football playoff rankings. How do you fall so far so fast? Was it smoke and mirrors in 2017? I, I know the defense was pretty good that year, but they weren't really good. What they were good at was taking taking advantage of turnovers. Had an incredible turnover margin, I want to say, looking back. And they were able to, to convert those into points, and then you do that, you're going to convert those into wins. But other than that, was it smoke and mirrors? Were they that good of a team then? Because there's no way you can go from a 10-0 team that was really a legit 10-0 team to what we have now. That being a Miami program that is just, I'm not even going to say teetering, I'm going to say on its back. Offensive coordinator gone. Manny Diaz, you're on the clock, pal. By the way, the Tar Heels are up 26-6 to now. Just scored again, 11-24 remaining in the third quarter. We're pending the point after kick. And they're barreling in for a, what looks like a one-yard score. So they're going to take a 27-6 lead, presuming that this point after attempt is good. And again, 11-24 remaining in the third quarter. And we, we've spoke a lot, or talked a lot, discussed a lot. My English, not good, end of week, holiday, bad. Fire, her, Coach O. <laughs> uh, we discussed a lot of football, and rightfully so, given that we are in the heart of bowl season. But later on this hour, we're going to dive into baseball. And we touched on it at the beginning of the broadcast about the proposal out there to eliminate 42 minor league baseball teams. 42! Holy cow! An entire league gone, the Appalachian League, including the Burlington Royals. We're going to talk with the operator, the president of the Burlington Royals since 1986, Miles Wolf, at 2.30. And we're going to ask him, how likely is it that this proposal happens? What do we do to stop it? What do we do if it indeed it is activated? Because it's that is sad to think about communities being just, you know, taken away from their baseball. It's being eliminated off the map. And, and I bring up this instance in, in my native state of West Virginia. One county on the Virginia border, Mercer County, has two teams. It's the only county, and correct me if I'm wrong, Darren, it's the only county in America that has two minor league baseball teams. I think that's what they tout. Now, they could be lying. <laughs> they could be just doing that for, you know, convention and visitors bureau propaganda. But they say they're the only team, only county in America with two teams, the Bluefield Orioles and the Princeton Race. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm familiar with both. 
Um, they're like eight and, miles and apart. The, and the Appalachian League at, at large, because that's that's minor league baseball that I grew up with. Because yeah. there's a team, that, I mean, there are teams all throughout the Tri-Cities of southwestern Virginia, northeast Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That's that's the only place I could imagine two teams being as close as being in the same county, but they're in each of the Tri-Cities. So I, I don't think that's Maybe the case different there. counties. Yeah. There's also some South Atlantic teams on the block. The West Virginia Power, the Lexington Legends, they're being considered to being eliminated how do you replace that do you replace that i a friend of mine owns one of those teams and i've I've discussed it with him and he's he's beside himself because a his family owns the stadium and b that's his job (laughs) i mean obviously his family has enough money to own a team and a stadium but he still wants to work that's that's his baby what are they going to do do they look at alternatives can is it as simple as bringing in an independent league team how does that even work do you just have a tryout? Hey, you want to play independent professional baseball? I, I don't know. But we're going to ask Miles Wolf when he joins us at 2.32 and find out what he thinks of all this because he's got to be beside himself because this is a baseball guy. He's been with the team since 1986. He's won just about every kind of award you can imagine with regards to professional baseball. What's it mean to have? And what's the driving force behind it? I don't understand that. Is it to streamline the farm system somehow, improve it? How could that absolutely improve it? You have all the good – I don't understand. One way of teaching from top to bottom? Darren, you're a baseball guy. Help me understand. So it's it's in some ways, by my estimation, a, an overreaction to the instance of a, of a Kyler Murray who was the first player to ever be – a first-round pick in both the Major League Baseball and NFL drafts and chose football, ultimately, because why? You don't have to go through a, a minor league stint that could be three or four years long and yeah. involves riding buses and, I mean, sometimes probably having to resort to eating fast food. And instead, you get all of the benefits on the front end Whereas baseball, you know, the contracts in Major League Baseball, as we've seen the past two off-seasons, are humongous if the situation is right. But you have to make that the case over the stretch of a minor league career, build yourself up at the major league level to that. Whereas in the NFL, if you're a quarterback and you're the number one overall pick, it's instant moolah. And this is a way of, of tightening that process there's there's a there's an argument to be made too that if you get players through that system quicker and tighten the gap between seeing guys maybe in Omaha at the College World Series and then at the major league level you increase connectivity with fans because what are NFL fans most of them college football fans they saw Kyler Murray play both in college and at the professional ranks so it's it's all part of a greater effort to, to protect the game to protect the, the quality game and get of the more game. people interested in it and you know that the quality might suffer on a very 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 minute ratio but it gets your stars through the system quicker and playing in major league baseball uniforms earlier and closer to their time of other prominence like college Tar Heels just scored again a pick six. Storm Duck Whoa. returning an interception for a touchdown. They're now up 33-6 to six pending the point after attempt. Now it's 34-6. to six. Kick's good. So uh, 
Mac rolling to a bowl game. Mac 2.0 going to have a bowl victory. So we'll be able to discuss that further, and we'll discuss this baseball issue further because I, I, I think it's fascinating, but I think it's also scary as all get out because it's going to impact a lot of communities. So what are the alternatives? We'll ask Miles Wolf when he joins us at 2.30. And remember, it's a free-for-all Friday. Give us a call, 1-800-849-2761. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Throwback Justice League. You know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman. If there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life, Aquaman is your guy. Zay Jones is dominating the three-cone drill. Aquaman is dominating the talk to porpoises drill. This is the David Glenn Show. It's a little old Clemson. It's just a small town, small college atmosphere, but yet you've got this 80-plus thousand-seat stadium and 150,000 people roll into the town on the weekends, but then they all leave. Monday through Friday, we kind of have our own world. We have one of everything. We've got like a Starbucks, a Walmart, a Publix. There's just a simplicity there, a quality of life that's really special. Just little old Clemson. I, I can't tell if he was being sarcastic or not. That sounds like bliss. I mean, uh, they got a Starbucks and a Walmart. What else do you need, man? Maybe a Popeyes. Have you tried that Popeyes chicken sandwich, by the way? No, I don't. I don't give in to societal pressures. Well, I'm doing it, telling you some advice. You get that chicken sandwich. It's actually legit. I had it for the first time a couple of weeks ago after all the hubbub went away. Am I going to be in danger trying to get in line to get one? Though? Not now. Nah, it's it's old news now. Now it's time to enjoy it instead of having to fight for it. That was Dabo Sweeney, head coach of the Clemson Tigers. Going to be taking on Ohio State. Fiesta Bowl tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, ESPN. The line moved on that. What is it, two and a half? Last time I saw it, I believe, Clemson, two, two and a half. Little old Clemson. Little old Clemson. It's incredible what he's done there. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's incredible. And we had Tommy Bowden on few months ago when I was in his chair and I'm, I was asking him how how did this come about Tommy Bowden's getting fired they ask him well who should who should be the interim and he says Dabo Dabo was a wide receiver coach he had no coordinator experience no head coaching experience for sure but Tommy saw something in Dabo that indicated to him he could be the, the head coach Ever since then, it's been nothing but success. They went, what, 35 years between national titles, 34 seasons? And now they've won two of the last three? It's it's unbelievable what has happened. And with Alabama not in the playoff mix this year, you could say, I'm, I'm not ready to say he's the alpha of coaches right now, but you could you could say that Clemson is the alpha of programs. They've been in the playoffs, what, five times now out of six seasons? Five. They missed the first one. They're, they're always atop the recruiting rankings. The facilities are second to none. They have a water slide or something, for goodness sakes, in, in the football center. I and they're recruiting anywhere they want. They get who they want, where they want, when they want. It's unbelievable what he has done. And people, the ignorant ones, 
will say, oh, well, as soon as Saban leaves, they're going after Dabo, and maybe it's the Bama hopeful fueling that speculation. Well, it's, it's false. It's false hope. He's not going anywhere. If he went anywhere, it would be to try the NFL, and I don't think he has an interest in that. I don't think Dabo's that guy. He doesn't feel the need to be challenged, to prove his, his ability at the next level. I just don't see him doing that. He's got it made at Clemson. He's making about $10 million a year. He gets anything he wants. The, the ACC is a winnable conference every darn year. We know that. Why would you give that up? He's building a program the way he wants. There's no way he would leave. Even if he did play at Alabama as a walk-on wide receiver, win a national title under Gene Stallings. I don't see anything that could make him leave Clemson. There's no other job out there that would that could top what he has. And I understand competitive fire and maybe burnout and so on, but I, I don't I don't think Dabo's that guy. I think he stays in there for the long haul. Can't say that about every coach. There's a, there's a few coaches I could say that about. There's a few coaches in the ACC I could say that about. I just don't see him leaving. And and what would he have to gain by going to Bama? Well, you got to keep up with Nick Saban. Well, guess what? He's already doing that. He's already doing that. You have nothing to prove if you leave. You have everything to lose. It's kind of it kind of reflects my thinking with this. The, the typical P5 versus G5 bowl game, the Cotton Bowl this year, Penn State-Memphis. Memphis has everything to gain, nothing to lose. Penn State has everything to lose, nothing to really gain, even though I think Penn State's just so talented, there's no way they drop that game. I don't see Dabo ever leaving. Minor League Baseball in a few cities, though, that's going to be leaving if this proposal goes through, and that includes Burlington right here in our own backyard. Miles Wolf, president of the Burlington Royals, joining us in a few minutes. We're going to get his take and see how uh, how serious this proposal is, how close it is to being approved and going into action. It would be after next season. You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Megan Rapino is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest has operated the Burlington Royals since 1986. He's won a plethora of awards and honors for a lifetime in baseball. Miles Wolf, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Thanks. Great to be there, Scott. Well, we appreciate having you on. And uh, before we dive into the topic at hand, how was your Christmas? It was very good. Very good. And yours? It was excellent. Excellent. I watched It's a Wonderful Life about four times. Okay. So that's a good Christmas day. Miles, we're about a month or so out, six weeks out from a report in the New York Times that baseball planning to contract, planning to uh, dissolve some minor league teams, the Burlington Royals, on that list. How how likely is this hap to happen? I, I mean, it is. I mean, it's going to happen unless the minor leagues can stop it. 
the commissioner is pretty well set that he thinks 42 teams need to be eliminated, uh, and it would be starting for the 2021 season. We would be able to operate through the current season, and then we'd be effectively out of business. What can we do to stop this? Well, right now the minor leagues are looking, quite frankly, to Congress. Uh, you know, I, I know uh, we've met with the congressman for the Burlington District. Uh, there, there have been at least a uh, uh, hundred and some members of the House of Representatives who've written a letter to the Commissioner of Baseball saying you know, I don't think this is a good idea. Um, you know, baseball has what is known as the antitrust exemption. It's difficult for them to be sued, uh, and Congress can take that away. Whether minor league baseball has this strength it remains to be seen, but 42 cities across the U.S., you know, covers a lot of political ground. So that's that's one way um, – we're hoping Major League Baseball itself, the teams, uh, will put up a stink. Because most of the baseball te- people don't like this at all. It's coming from the commissioner's office. He's saying, oh, we can save all this money. Uh, but the baseball people, you know, believe in the current system. They think you need a rookie league. You need high A, close, you know, short A. You know, everybody, there's steps you got to be to get to the big leagues. And you got to prove yourself. So, yeah, it's 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 not good, but we still have hope. What, what what's your parent club saying? I mean, I, surely to goodness they've got a vested interest in this, and they want to see your team operating, as you as you pointed out. What what have they told you? Well, yeah, no, we met with the Kansas City Royals, or our parent team in Burlington, um, and we met with them at the winter meetings in San Diego. They got all of their minor league affiliates together to meet, to see what, what was going on. And it was interesting. They, they didn't know as much as the minor league teams knew. The commissioner's office isn't really communicating with the major league clubs, the baseball people. It's all sort of the accountants are saying, Oh, wipe out this expense on your ledger. Um, so the Royals are very, very much against this, uh, the, you know, their point is the Yankees, the Astros, the, you know, the Red Sox can all sign the free agents for the hundreds of millions of dollars. The Kansas Cities, the San Diegos, some of the smaller markets don't have this ability. So they believe, you know, if we sign, we would like to sign young players and develop our own because we can't go out and get a, a rich free agent. So we have to develop within, and the only way to do this is to have enough farm clubs that you know we you know we can see who who gets better, who's ready to to go to the big leagues. Miles, we're we're talking about entire teams of players. What happens to those guys? The guys who are at the rookie league level, who are who are at the South Atlantic League level, they they can't be absorbed upward. Are they just out of work? They have to do something else. Well, what the commissioner is saying, oh, we'll put all these. He's saying, one, let's cut the n- number of players each uh, 
major league team is able to sign the lower the draft to I think it's at 40 rounds now, maybe 20 or 30 rounds. Uh, and we'll put all these guys in the spring training complexes over the summer uh, and have them play there. Well, that's not real baseball, if you would. I mean, yeah, they're playing games, but there are no fans. You know, they start the games at 9 in the morning because it's too hot in Arizona and uh, Florida to play, you know, in the heat of the day. Uh, it's just sort of hothouse baseball where they don't get, you know, they don't have to ride the buses. They don't have to play under lights. They don't have fans cheering or booing. You know, that's why Kansas City so loves, you know, a, a town like Burlington, where this is a player's first real taste of professional baseball. Uh, but, you know, that's you're in a community, you know, you do travel, uh, I mean, the Royals say in Burlington, they're the best infield in their whole organization. So it's a good facility. There are lots of good things. Uh, but all of this will be lost if the commissioner gets his way. We're joined by Miles Wolf of the Burlington Royals. And, and Miles, you talk about the infield. And I know the city of Burlington has put upwards or over, rather, $1 million into upgrading that facility. But as a community as a whole, what what has the team done both economically and in other ways to impact that part of North Carolina? Well, I mean, it's just, it's what minor league baseball does in any community. It hopefully brings the community get together. You're out cheering for your city, if you would, you know, for many kids, it's the first time to see real live baseball. Um, you know, the, for some of the older fans, you know, it's their whole summer's entertainment. You know, the sort of niche which minor league baseball has grabbed hold of is affordable family entertainment. So you see a lot of families, a lot of young people there. So, you know, you lose that from a Burlington. And, and I think the worry is that we've heard reports that the commissioner in five years wants to drop another 30 teams to bring the number of minor league teams down to 90. So there, you know, your Carolina League teams, your South Atlantic teams will be in huge jeopardy. Uh, so it, basically, if you're on my side of the street, you think this is just an awful, awful idea. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we can, we can fight it and beat it. Let's say you're unsuccessful, though, Miles. What what can be done, though, to keep baseball in Burlington? Are there alternatives? I, you're, you're the expert. I, I'm not. I'm just wondering here, is, is an independent league team or something such as that an option? Independent baseball is really very expensive. There you have to pay your players, you know, pay for spring training, pay all the expenses. The, the beauty of an affiliate is Kansas City pays for the players and the staff. Um so I think our one hope in Burlington would be to go college baseball, be it Coastal Plain League or a couple other, other summer college leagues are around. But you mentioned the city of Burlington. They have put a lot of money into that ballpark over the last three or four years because Major League Baseball says we need it. Now, now that's being pulled, the rug's being pulled out, you know, the city of Burlington is looking at legal, you know, remedies because they they were under the impression they had a team. And they were Major League Baseball say you need to be 
build bigger clubhouses. Uh, I mean, one of the extreme examples is the Pioneer League, club, Pioneer League another rookie league uh, in the U.S. Uh, there's a team in Missoula, Montana. It was just sold for $7 million a year ago. That guy's asset has just been brought down to zero. Obviously, he's looking at what are his legal angles. Uh, so there's so many ramifications to this that, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think uh, if by early summer, you know, there isn't a resolution, uh, there are going to be lawsuits flying all over the place. He's the president of the Burlington Royals. You can follow the team on Twitter at BRoyalsKC. Miles, I, I wish we could have uh, could have gotten together under better circumstances, but please keep us updated on, on how this progresses. Sure, sure. Thanks a lot for asking. All right. Appreciate you, Miles. Have a good holiday, buddy. Okay. You too. Bye. It's Miles Wolf of the Burlington Royals. And you could hear the sadness in his voice, and not just because this is his team, not just because it's his job. Minor league baseball is a special thing, man. I, I've been around it. I've been involved with it. I, I said I've got a friend that owns a South Atlantic League team. I've, I've been intimately involved with it. And what it does to a community, as Miles said, is it brings them together, gives them something to cheer for. Look, you, you don't know the players usually from one year to the next. Hopefully they're gone. Usually one way or the other, up or down, but they're gone. But you cheer for the team. That's your team. That's the Burlington, Burlington people cheer for the Burlington team or fans of the parent club. They come to check out the minor league team while they're driving through or whatever. And I'm looking at a report now where they say that the Royals, the parent club, and, and then through them, I guess, the, the minor league team, the Appalachian League team, brought in, and this is according to WFMY out of the uh, Winston-Salem Greensboro High Point Market, CBS affiliate, $987,972 to the city last season. That's almost a million bucks that that team brought in. And they say the team invested $449,000 back into the community. That's money that's going to be gone. You don't make that up. You don't make that up. And but financial aspects aside, well, and we haven't even talked about the people who would lose jobs. People who park cars, I presume there's a parking attendant. There are hot dog vendors. There's probably businesses that invest in it because they pay to be maybe the official, I, I don't know, I'm just spitballing here, concession company. I, I, I'm thinking of things such as that. All the signage along the outfield wall, you know, that's advertising outlet for local businesses. It, it's, it's sad. It's awful. And it, it's an affordable outlet for families. I, I am. I hope this doesn't come to pass. I think it's a terrible idea, Darren. And and you're the baseball guy. I, I'm not. I'm not being facetious when I say you're somewhat of a baseball expert. What is your take on this? I see both sides because if 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 Major League Baseball could do it all over again, years ago, when the minor leagues were formed, I think they would have done it differently and more in the light of what they're trying to to shape it into and and granted if it started as that you don't have any of these issues people aren't losing jobs because they never had them and again i see the issues i see what it potentially could resolve for major league baseball and i i like that they're thinking in those terms in a lot of ways baseball has done itself in yeah. for not 
being bold enough with changes. Not forward thinking. Exactly. And I, I, it would be hypocritical to criticize them for both that and coming up with this proposed plan, in, in my mind. You know, baseball's tossed around the word contraction for a couple of decades. Did they overexpand? Did they, you know, when, when they made the Marlins, when they made the Rockies and bloated out to that number, and then, you know, they got rid of Montreal and moved it to Washington. They were going to get rid of that team altogether. I just, I don't think this is the way to go. I, 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 I don't. I don't think this is the way to go. And it's just, I'm thinking of a community level. And to your point, to the, to the game itself, yeah, it might improve the quality of the game or at least the perception of the game at the highest level. But baseball is such a grassroots sport. You know, I, my hometown is where Stan Musial became a hitter. You know, we, we talk about that now 70 years later. Hey, this is where Stan the man became a hitter. Oh, tell me about it, man. I, we, yeah. In, in Withville, Virginia, yes. we used to have an – I think they were Appalachian League, the Cubs affiliate, and former Braves star catcher Javi Lopez. I saw Greg Maddox pitch yeah. in Pikeville, Kentucky. <laughs> so Javi Lopez hit his first professional home run of his career in Withville, Virginia at Withers Park. And, I mean, you know, that's the – it's the pride of the town in a lot of cases, like Withville's or, or wherever. It's unbelievable, man. I, I just, it's sad. I hope this doesn't come to pass. I, I think it would be a travesty, and it would, it would take away something from the game at large. It would take away something from the game at large. The, the grand old days of a day at the ballpark are still alive at the minor league level. It's a, it's a throwback because it is affordable and all the other things going on. So I'm going to be interested to see how this plays out. Things are happening in Annapolis. It's 41 to 13. <laughs> Our talk with Miles Wolf was eventful. I'm listening to him, and I'm watching all kinds of stuff happen there. And I've got a little news regarding Carolina Panthers' upcoming game with the New Orleans Saints on Sunday when we come back and close out the David Glenn Show. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Boo U and Agriculture U. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. And we're wrapping up the third and final hour of the David Glenn Show on Friday. I can't even keep up with everything going on in Annapolis right now. It's 41-13, 14 and a half minutes to go in the game. The Tar Heels are driving again. They're at the 19-yard line of Temple. So we keep our eyes abreast of that as we close out the show. Also, some news out of Charlotte. Carolina Panthers will be without the services of wide receiver DJ Moore on Sunday in the regular season finale against the New Orleans Saints. Moore remains in the NFL's mandated concussion protocol. He suffered a concussion last week during the loss at Indianapolis. Also not playing this week, linebacker Shaq Thompson, just a few weeks removed from signing that big extension, ruled out for Sunday. He hasn't practiced all week because of a foot injury. And he also revealed today, the Panthers did, that Thompson underwent a shoulder, quote, cleanup procedure yesterday. So Shaq Thompson, his season's done. DJ Moore's season's done. Edge rusher Marquise Haynes got a knee problem. He's questionable. He was a limited participant in practice today. So 
We'll see if the point spread will shift. The Saints already 13-point favorites heading into that game. Saints have a lot to play for. A Saints win with a Seattle victory versus the 49ers and a Green Bay loss at Detroit. Well, that will give New Orleans the number one seed and home field advantage throughout the playoffs for the second straight year. Christian McCaffrey also has a lot to play for. 93 more yards than Nick Chubb. He'll become the first rusher to, or leading rusher in the league in Panthers history. He needs 155 rushing yards to break the franchise record set by D'Angelo Williams. It's 1,515 yards. And he needs 67 yards receiving to produce the third 1,000-yard rushing, 1,000-yard receiving season in the history of the NFL. Roger Craig did it in 1985. Marshall Falk did it in 1999. We're not that far away from kickoff in New York City. Pinstripe Bowl, 8-4 Wake Forest versus 6-6 six six Michigan State. It's 3-20 kickoff time. Michigan State, three-and-a-half-point favorites. And another score in the Military Bowl, 48-13. The Tar Heels are on the board again. With 13.51 remaining, it looks like Mac Brown 2.0 is going to end with a bowl victory. Started with a win over South Carolina. Looks like it's going to end with a victory over Temple in the Military Bowl. I'd like to thank our guest for today, Andrea Adelson of ESPN, giving us the lay of the land of college football, specifically college football in the ACC. You can follow her on Twitter at A. Adelson ESPN. Brent Wilkerson New from Sports Illustrated's Tar Heel Mavens channel, giving us a halftime report from the Military Bowl, and Miles Wolf, the president of the Burlington Royals. For Darren Vaught, we're out. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.